name's Travis Sims, and I am the founder and CEO of AGC Accelerated Global Connections. And this is the AGC Experience. Our lives are a series of choices. Each choice leads to a result. Would you like to easily know which choices are the right life choices for you? If you've never met Amy Tyson, owner of Infinity Life Design, make it a priority to connect with her. Amy is a master of feng shui and batzi, which she calls destiny analysis. She assists her clients in understanding the hidden forces that are influencing their lives. A destiny reading with Amy is like reading a book all about you. She highlights which decisions will bring you to your fullest potential and which choices will lead you down a path of obstacles. If you're struggling with a challenge or you want to lift your life even higher, get connected with Amy and Infinity Life Design on facebook.com slash infinitylifedesign or subscribe to her online newsletter at infinitylifedesign.com and connect with your infinite life. Now it's time for our speaker. Pete Tartero. The title of his speech is Learning from the Minds of Our Kids. The experience of guiding my daughter through her first season of youth soccer was eye-opening. What I learned about her and myself is that journey was that love and support are more important than discipline or motivation. Pete Tatero is a New Jersey native living in Chaska with his wife, Caitlin, a native of Minnesota, and their two daughters, Nora and Lily. Pete works in St. Paul, Minnesota for Security and Financial, where he helps financial professionals think like better business owners. Outside of work, he enjoys cheering on his daughters at their events, running, reading, and has even taken his old trumpet out of his case and began playing again. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming today's speaker, Pete Tartero. Allow me to take you back to one year before, before our world took its mandatory timeout. Back when we were all hustle all the time, back when it was still all about getting ahead. They say that you can learn a lot from your kids. And there's this one particular experience that I'd like to share with you this morning that for me was exceptionally profound. The athletic fields were freshly cut and fragrant. Children laughing walked with their parents. And with a frayed ponytail, my then four-year-old daughter, Nora, offered her assessment of her first ever soccer practice. Daddy, I hate this. Time out. This was not how I drew it up. You see, my daughter was supposed to be bending it like Beckham, crushing it like Cristiano, not panicking like Piglet. My friends, how do you deal with self-doubt? How did you do it at age four? Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the world of four-year-old soccer, 
imagine a herd of cats chasing a rolling ball while coaches attempt to keep them on the right fields. The collisions are numerous. The chaos is extreme. And every parent prays that it's not their little one over there who's too busy picking dandelions to run with the rest of the group. <laughs> that was me. But in her first match, my Nora looked magnificent in her oversized team uniform. With a whistle, that first match kicked off and the herd of cats was on its way. My daughter, however, Nora, she stood frozen to her spot near the center of the pitch. So at the first time out, I asked her, so how's it going? Daddy, I wanna go home. <laughs> time out. Here's the thing. My daughter, Nora, actually had lots of talent. You see, at home, she had skills for days. But here on the field with her friends, she showed none. But raise your hand if you are or know a dad. Aren't they just known for wanting to jump right in and fix things? <laughs> that was me. And my idea of a fix was that we would conquer Nora's fear and all of her insecurities. So at halftime, we practiced. We practiced how to kick a ball, how to hold her head up high, how to be strong. Didn't work. You see, rather than conquer Nora's fears and insecurities, all I did was double them. In the second half, Nora was so tripped up that the one time the ball did roll to her feet, she tripped. What would you do now? Well, that evening, my wife called for a timeout. You see, while she's frequently telling me to take out the trash, she likes to point out that the more we tell someone what to do, the less likely they are to do it. But that night, she added something different. She said, you know, I'm thinking, what if we try something different. Let's not teach Nora what to do, how to play the game, how to be strong, but instead, what if we surround her with love and support and then just sit back and see what happens? What do you think? That's what I thought too as I, uh, as I took out the trash. But the next morning, Nora and I sat down and we talked. We talked about how she felt, about how she really wanted to learn how to have so much fun at soccer. And so we decided, let's set some goals, simple goals, like let's try saying hi to one new friend at practice. Let's try to move around the pitch a little bit. Let's try touching the ball with your foot. It won't bite, but most importantly, we celebrated each small victory. Now, in our next match, Nora still wasn't confident yet, but she was moving around, and that was a good thing because that morning was unseasonably cold. But for my part, instead of saying, run over here or kick the ball again, I just cheered for her loudly during water breaks, during timeouts. I didn't tell my daughter that I was proud. I gave her big bear hugs. And then, 
during a timeout in the second half, my wife arrived with a sweatshirt for Nora to wear underneath her uniform. And in that moment, something shifted. You see, Nora trotted back out onto the field and her ponytail had a different bounce. So much so that she took the ensuing kickoff, raced down the field with the ball and scored a goal. But what happened next was even more epic. You see, the other team started with the ball and passed it ahead. Right at my daughter, who intercepted their errant pass, raced back down the field and scored another goal. Two goals in four seconds. At this point, she finally realized what was happening. And so Nora turned and gave my wife and I the greatest four-year-old smile ever. Friends, how do you deal with self-doubt? How did you do it at age four? Whether it's you who deals with it from time to time, someone you care about, someone on your team at work, try calling for a timeout. When my wife called a timeout, I learned something. I learned, I learned to listen to my daughter, not to lecture. I learned to love her, not lord over. And I learned to let my daughter, Nora, learn on her own. And that it's love and support that builds confidence and fosters growth. You see, these days though, Nora still struggles from time to time with new teammates at sports, new classmates at school. Self-doubt creeps back up. But each time she struggles, my wife and I, we call a timeout. We help Nora make sure that she feels safe. We help her to set small goals, and then we unconditionally give her our love. Whether it's recreational soccer, rebuilding relationships, or resurrecting our communities, I think we would all benefit from calling a timeout. It's your call. Now, I've been telling that story for the last two years, and it never, ever gets old. Mostly because it seems they never go away, no matter the circumstances, no matter the news, no matter the, 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 what's going on in our communities. These themes, they never go away. This past spring, when our world opened back up, Nora and I moved from the rec league soccer program into a developmental league. This particular program I'd love to tell you about, the United in Development, was run in partnership with our local soccer association, another township's soccer association, and the Minnesota Youth Soccer Association. And I have to tell you, it was a breath of fresh air for my daughter and for me. You see, in today's society where we parents, we feel pressure to uh, enroll our children in sports and activities at young ages, mostly to drive future scholarships, this developmental league was so much fun. Here's why. The Minnesota Youth Soccer Association, MYSA, estimates that 70% of children quit sports by the age of 13. Do you know why? Because it's not fun anymore. And all it takes is a look on the sidelines and in the mirror to see why. 
You see, when we push our children to excel, they stop playing the sport for enjoyment and start playing the sport to appease us. And when on the sidelines, we scream for them to pass, run, kick, block the ball. They learn to respond to our commands rather than learning about how to think about what to do for themselves. And when we're telling them to get up, be tough, play harder, when they haven't learned how, is it any wonder that they want to quit? And when they do, and we express our disappointment, all because they couldn't handle the weight of our expectations, is it any wonder that they withdraw? And that's what made this developmental program so very special. In fact, when it comes to soccer, this developmental league was like a timeout for both the parents and our athletes. You see, the, the league was organized around returning fun to the sport. So everything was focused around bringing fun back to the sport. The kids, they felt special. They got special uniforms. They got special attention from the coaches. Practices were games. There were games to learn each other's names, games to learn technique, games to learn sportsmanship. The matches themselves that we played, they, they felt like games of pickup. Three or four children versus three or four children, very few rules. Just go out and have fun. It was, there was team building all around. Boys and girls, different ages, everyone all mixed up. You were never too confident or too nervous at any given time. And here was the best part. At practices and at games, one coach would take the children off to a field to start their practice, where another, and another coach would take the parents off to another side, where they would teach us the lessons that our children were learning for the day. And then we were asked, rather than cheering for goals, which are always fun, of course, and rather than coaching your own kid from the sideline, we as parents were asked to look for our children applying the lessons that they were off learning and cheer for that. Right, So instead of pass, run, kick, block, we should instead cheer, hey, that was great decision-making. Wow, what an awesome pass. Good job getting into space. And you are being a great teammate today. That's what we were asked to cheer. So in essence, we were, as parents, we're learning the same lesson that I stumbled across two years ago. Now look, I, like I said, self-doubt does still creep up. My daughter, Nora, she still gets nervous and will sometimes go into her shell. This past spring, I had to encourage her to get out of the goalie net and go be a, help her teammates out. But pass, run, kick, block the ball, that was all out of my vocabulary. And in the process, I observed some things. I observed my daughter becoming a leader on the field directing traffic. I observed that my daughter became a really good defender. She was really good at it. Tough as nails, tougher than the boys. And when she wanted to, she could still score goals at will. 
the best part of all, she was such a great teammate. And all of those things were great things for me to then help continue to reinforce and build her confidence around. And it was that that then got me thinking. You know, I grew up without a lot of confidence in myself and as a leader. For me, all of that came much later in life, and it's something I still work on. But as such, I remember as a child that I felt less inclined to take risks. I felt less inclined to try new things, and I felt less, less inclined to expand my horizons. And I think if we look at our great many problems today, about how divided our communities, how our workplaces, how our work teams, they all seem to be on matters large and matters small. I wonder how much of that can be traced back to a lack of confidence, like the confidence to listen with an open mind to someone who shares a different viewpoint, or the confidence to embrace a coworker who views us as the competition. And how about the confidence to accept that maybe our perspectives might be as incomplete as the other side's? What if instead of yelling at each other about how to think, what to feel, uh, uh, what to focus on, who to be, what if we instead chose to take timeouts? A timeout, for example, to think about how we're feeling and to remember that we all generally want the same thing as a global human community. Love, acceptance, and a safe space to grow and to learn. What if we took more timeouts and used them to set goals for ourselves? For example, what if we uh, set a goal to say hi to one new person? each day, or a goal to shift our perspectives, to see the world through the eyes of another, or maybe set a goal to in be intentional about reaching out and touching the heart of a person in need. Here's what's interesting is over the last 18 months, we've, we as a, as a society have been forced to take a time out, and there has been so much great conversation about it. What did you learn? How are you coming out of it as a better person? all great questions to reflect on, but as leaders, we've got a bigger opportunity. We've got an opportunity to not wait for a timeout to be forced on us, but to lead our people, to lead our families, to lead our communities, to take them more frequently. So let's choose to take timeouts and grow our confidence in one another. Who knows? Maybe we really can make the world a better place. Like I said before, we can learn a lot from watching our kids, but in the end, it's your call. Will you call a timeout? Thank you so much for your time and for your attention this morning. I really, really appreciate it.